The barking changed to an eager whine when a door of the cottage opened and a man's voice spoke. Sounds came up distinctly from the coom below. While the otter tore with her teeth at the chain, the spring and the closed jaws of the gin, Tarka and the other cub ran among the oak saplings, rustling the buff leaves of an old year and breaking the stalks of seeded bluebells whose caps dropped around the black seeds on the earth. There were faggots of hazel wands just inside the wood, cut and drying for a thatcher, who would split them and make spears for binding the reed of cottage roofs. They burrowed under the faggot, driving out a vare that had been sucking the blood of an airy mouse or pipistrel bat. The small weasel made a loud cack-cack-cack of rage at them, and vanished with the limp airy mouse in its mouth. A loud barking was coming from the field, with the yickering of the otter. Tarka heard the yelp of the retriever, but the sound that followed made him tiss, for it was the shout of a man. When the keeper, hurrying up the field, was within twenty yards of the wood's edge, the otter left the chain she had been breaking her teeth on and ran away. The retriever rushed at the cub to worry it, but the ferocity of the unfamiliar beast made it hesitate. The otter remained standing by her cub, even when the keeper was pushing through the undergrowth. Thinking that a fox or badger was in the gin, he went forward to kill it with a blow of the holly staff he carried. He was peering forward when the retriever, a young animal, ran to him snarling, Something flung itself violently against his legs. The otter weighed 15 pounds and nearly bit through the leather of his boot at the ankle. He struck at it, but hit on the earth. He hurried back to the cottage for his gun, calling the retriever to heel, lest it be injured. The struggles of the cub pulled the iron peg out of the ground and it was able to drag itself out of the ditch and slowly away among the saplings. The bitch whistled to Tarka and the other cub who ran out from under the faggot and followed her. The mother ran on with them a little way then returned to the cub that followed so slowly with the gin ripping brambles and clanking against stones and roots. Pheasants in the covert crew from their roosting branches. Blackbirds flew from the hollies with wild alarms. Wrens and robins complained in the brambles. Hedgehogs rolled themselves into spiny balls and voles crouched by the withered mosses under the oaks. Behind the otters came the noise of the keeper crashing through undergrowth and the retriever's feet pattering near them woo, woo, woo to its master. Blood ran down the face of the otter where the wounded cub had bitten her as she was trying to free the gin which gripped her rudder. The cub threw itself up and down, writhing and blowing and not knowing what had happened. It snapped at its mother's paws, at her ears, at her nose, at her neck. 
the otter left it to fight the pestering retriever, her eyes yellow and gem-like. When the keeper came up, the cub was gasping with the weight of the iron it had dragged over a hundred yards. He fired at the noise in front of him, and the noise ceased. Into the darkness of the wood, he fired the second barrel and listened. He heard stray pellets rattling in the distance and the dragging of the gin as the retriever tried to lift it. At dawn, the crow that had slept in the ivy-grown holly saw a new corpse hanging among the fitches and vares which had run into one end of the drain pipe but never run out again. The crow said, ah, ah, and flying to the gallows tree, picked out its eyes. When daylight came, the otter and her cubs were far from the wood, having arrived at new water deep and dark and slow moving. They swam to an islet where rose sallows and ash poles and swaying at the trees tops were rafts of twigs roughly pleached, being the nests of wild pigeons. The male birds were awake and cooing to their mates when the otter walked out of the water. Green sedges grew by the upper end of the islet where sticks and roots of winter floods were lodged and through them the otters crept. The mother trod down a place in the middle and bit off sedges for a couch and afterwards, hearing a watery croak near her, she sank silently into the pool. Her head emerged by a nest of moorhen which flew clumsily away from off six eggs, brown like the curling tips of sedge and speckled with dark blotches. These were carried back one by one to the cubs who cracked them and sucked the yolks, afterwards playing with the shells. Sometimes Tarka whimpered and stopped play for the bruise on his head was aching. Then the mother licked it and washed him all over and he fell asleep and the sun had risen when she had cleaned herself and nibbled the lead pellets out of her coat. Time flowed with the sunlight of the still green place. The summer drake flies, whose wings were as the most delicate transparent leaves, hatched from their cases on the water and danced over the shadowed surface. Scarlet and blue and emerald dragonflies caught them with rustle and click of bright whirring wings. It was peaceful for the otters in the backwater, ring rippled with the rises of fish, a waving mirror of trees, and the sky of grey doves among green ash sprays, of voles nibbling sweet roots on the bank. The moorhen, paddling with her first brood, croaked from under an arch of stream-side hawthorn, where the sun shafts slanting in the water lit the old year's leaf dust drifting like smoke underwater. The otter heard every wild sound as she lay unsleeping, thinking of her lost one.
the cubs breathed softly, but sometimes their nostrils worked and their legs moved as though they were running. Thank you.